0: In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute
1: to these films. Pat Cantagallo, Dennis Matouche, Jeff Mazuka Bo
2: Wormbold.
0: Each week we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. We're on episode number 81, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off so we're going to be talking a little Ferris Bueller this time around. Uh, Real quick, we do spoil the movies that we talk about, and we may mention other movies here and there in part of the discussion, so if you don't want to be spoiled, um, if you haven't seen this movie or movies, first of all, welcome to The Human Race. Uh, We have these things called movie theaters and movies. Go watch them. Um, But uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, I guess don't listen right now and then go watch the movie and then come back. Um, But we do spoil stuff, so we just want to... Give you that little warning right up front. Uh, also, if you could, please head on over to iTunes. If you like what you're hearing, if you're enjoying the show, uh, help us out by going over to iTunes and leaving us a review. We'd love to hear positive reviews. If you've got a negative review, um, I'd love to have you email that to us and let us know if, if there's something that uh, you know uh, annoys you about the show or uh, you know, just something you wish we were doing differently, um, we'd love to hear about that. So you can always send that to us at uh, 30podcast at gmail.com. Um, but you've got a whole bunch of other different ways you can reach us. Our website, 30podcast.com, is the best way to do that. It's got our voicemail number, our Twitter uh, username, all that other stuff. So any other way that you want to try to reach us, you can head on over to 30podcast.com, and that's got some some extra stuff beyond what we do here on the show. Um Tonight with me, I've got my co hosts Jeff Mazzucca, I've got Bo Warmbold, and a few minutes into the recording, uh, I've got uh, one of our co-hosts, Pat Canagallo comes in, too. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit of new movie news right up here at the front, and then we get on into talking Ferris Bueller. Um, first of all, Suicide Squad comes out this Friday. Is anybody interested? In oh. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm going to go see it at some point. Okay. Exactly.
0: Okay. So you're not running out to see it opening night? No. Okay. I I guess my question is, does, and and other people have talked about this to death, so we're not going to spend too long on it, but um, what does Jared Leto need to do as the Joker for you to like it?
2: Something different.
1: Okay.
2: He he just needs to be an original take on the Joker. I don't want to see him trying to be Keith Ledger. I don't want to see him trying to be Jack Nicholson. Or Cesar Romero. Like I I don't want to see anybody else's influence of the character. I, I want to see what he's able to do.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you have to worry about Caesar Romero.
2: Well, you never know. <laughs> Just say.
3: But I've heard I've heard good things from, you know, people, reviewers who've already seen it. I've heard but I've also heard that he's trying a little too much to channel Heath Ledger, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. It's been so long since I've seen the Heath Ledger version, I probably need to go back and see it again.
0: Yeah. I don't think I'll go watch it this weekend. I do want to watch it sometime soon, but I would be, I, like you, I kind of would like to go back and watch The Dark Knight again just to kind of see that before going to.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want to see it before. I want to. I'm, mm. I'm far enough removed from having seen it that I don't want to refresh my memory yeah. as to what Keith Ledger did and then go see what uh, Jared Leto does.
0: Yeah. Now, have, it, have either of you seen uh, The Killing Joke yet?
2: No. I was, go- I was going to, and I heard that some pretty bad reviews of it.
0: Oh, really? Because I, I wanted to go see it in the theater, that one day that it was going to be in the theaters. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And then just didn't get to, but I, I hadn't read any reviews on it. But So what you heard was bad?
2: Well, so what I heard was that they really fleshed out the backstories and it just went in places that people were like, what, what, why, what, what is this? Okay. Well,
0: too much backstory.
2: That's pretty much what we all felt
3: when we left Batman Superman too. So maybe it's the year for that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. I need to go. Now I did buy the, the ultimate edition Blu-ray and I still have not watched it yet. Uh, <laughs> But everything I'm reading says that it does make it a better movie.
3: Well, it probably doesn't have far to go.
0: To no, I a mean, it probably doesn't have too do far to improve. Yeah. You can only go up from there.
1: True, Bat.
0: Speaking bad. of going up, uh, we were just joined by Pat. Pat, how's it going?
1: Hey, guys, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing fine, man. It's dark in work?
0: the basement today. Directly it, from the Bat Cave himself.
1: It is, right. man. But- I left the lights off last time. These guys gave me a hard time about being in the Batcave, so I figured I'd just go with it, you know? Fredo?
2: You, you yeah, we, you we can still practice. see your face. Turn off the other light.
1: Yeah, man. I could turn... I... Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's going on, guys? Oh, not a whole lot.
0: We're running through the new movie news, and we were just talking about Suicide Squad coming out this Friday, and Jared Leto is the Joker. And okay. Is that a movie that you're interested in enough to want to go see?
1: Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to go see it. Okay. Um, is this a formal invite, or are we discussing whether this is this movie would hold people's interest? It could be a formal invite. Okay. I, I don't
0: um, go to a movie with you and watching you sleep again.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I. I don't
2: mind going to your bedroom window and watching you sleep. No. Hey now. I, you know that's a whole
1: nother podcast.
0: That's a lot cheaper than the price of a movie, and I can a
1: right. popcorn. Yeah, I, um, so did I come in in the middle of a thought? Should I listen a little bit, or is that the question that we're all kind of answering?
0: You no, know, that's kind of the question, is what is Jared Leto, the guy that's playing the new Joker, mm-hmm. uh, what does he need to do to make the Joker his, I guess was kind of the question.
1: Man, you know what? If I knew the answer to that, it wouldn't be Jared Leto. It would be uh, Pat Canagallo playing the Joker. You know what I'm saying? Cause Which I would watch. Suicide yes.
3: Squad, Vernon Hills edition.
1: Yeah, man. Um, There's a you fan know, the director movie. Yeah, there you that's go. That's right. Because you know, yeah, um, I'm drawing a complete blank. Who was the guy that played the Batman? Who played the Joker in the in the Dark Knight? Heath, Heath Ledger. Ledger. Heath Ledger. That's right. I mean, that was. I mean, it doesn't come much better than that. But even when you go back and watch Nicholson's portrayal even that was pretty awesome you know i i I gotta be honest it's not like i watch nicholson and and well let me just say i i it was different but it was just it was just awesome so whatever jared leto does it's got to be um i don't know just somehow make it unique uh otherwise you know it's it's gonna blend in because the last two performances of the joker or portrayals of the joker were um were pretty outstanding
0: well, I do like how his physical look is different. Yeah. Like that, at least, that's enough for me to kind of distance it. Jeff, like you were saying, like you want to stay distant from any of the other portrayals. To me, like this new look that he has for the Joker, that's interesting enough for me that, you know, I'm I'm already giving him points for that. And then just hearing the stuff that he went through as he was, you know, he was staying in character even when they weren't filming, and it was kind of creeping people out. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy hearing those stories.
1: Yeah. And maybe they don't need to overthink it, you know. I mean, Jack Nicholson was kind of like the mobster version of the Joker. Yeah. The uh, Heath Ledger was the oh, complete psychopathic.
0: You want to see a magic trick?
1: Yeah, I mean, just unreal, like real. Well, unreal, realistic portrayal. Sorry about the oxymoron there. Maybe this guy just needs to do a really good job of portraying the Joker like from the comic books, yeah. you know, and, and just kind of keep it simple.
0: Well, speaking of maybe overthinking something, the next new movie news thing that I have is Channing Tatum uh, is set to now be the star of the remake of Splash. Do you remember Splash, the uh, movie with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks with The Mermaid?
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, mean, you know, I, 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 just I just read, read that. He's yeah. now going
0: to be The Merman.
2: I just read that earlier today. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't guess, Well, the big thing for me is, why? Right. Why, why do we need a remake? And, yeah, just yeah. Why, why do we need to remake why that a
3: film? Why Splash of right. all movies?
0: Of so the movies you're going to remake, I don't understand.
3: Yeah, what?
0: Because it's not like it was a huge hit back when it came out originally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one, I'm not sure. I, I just saw that one this morning. I was like, oh, really? You didn't have anything better to do?
3: Yeah, I mean, of all the movies you could. Yeah, that's a weird one.
0: We have a Merman coming in Justice League. And it's right. Awesome, and that's the Maybe one. that's
3: it. They're hoping yeah. to capitalize on the popularity of Aquaman.
0: There you go. Let's have them open Splash the same weekend as Justice League, and we'll see. what Yeah. <laughs>
2: Awesome.
0: I think that would be great. That, that's a great.
2: Match. I'll
3: take that. I'll take that head-to-head action.
1: Thank
2: you.
0: <sighs> so their earnings are down forty-five. 45- Uh, things have not been going well this year. AMC Theatres says that the reason why their earnings are down 45% is this year has been full of lackluster movies. How do you feel about that?
3: Hmm. I'm trying Did, to think what I saw. Has this I this been know about that. I, I thought, movie? didn't we just have another Avengers movie? That was pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, we had Civil War.
3: Civil War, Star Trek, I thought was pretty good. I saw it the other night. Um, They're
2: saying,
0: one of the things they said was, other than Civil War, there really hasn't been a whole lot that's drawn people to the theater, that Ghostbusters, Star Trek... Uh, wow,
3: Ghostbusters didn't do well at all.
0: Others ...have not done well at all, and so it's not drawing people as much as it should. Hmm. But they also blame some of it on you know, more options for home viewing on Netflix and Hulu and the other services. Sure. But I, I just thought it was kind of interesting that they their first thing they said was, oh, yeah, earnings are down because this year is a year of lackluster movies.
3: Well, the question is, though, is that something they have to say? Yeah. Because it, we got to say something, so we're going to blame it on the movies.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think it's more of a scapegoat than anything else it has nothing to do with the fact that they keep raising prices to get in to see movies which again then it will play as the studio uh, uh, needing more money because their budgets are out of control to make the movies Right. so because right. it costs more to make the movies it costs more to, to uh, be able to show the movies so therefore it's going to cost more for the consumer to be able to come see the movies
0: well, uh-huh. and, and to be honest, I we went to I took Nora the other day. Um we had kind of our day to hang out before I had to start back at school and uh, she wanted to go see Secret Life of Pets. And so How I was it went, um it was okay. The it was Secret Life of Pat? Movie. Yes, The Secret Life of Well, no, that was a different movie.
3: Huh. Yeah, that's a totally different podcast.
0: I I have that one on my computer. Mm. <laughs> Uh, just, just pieced together from, from different times throughout the year that I filmed Pat doing weird things and,
1: and it happens so frequently
0: Sorry, it, it's it's going to be released I, I'm going to do it as like a, a Alamo Draft Drafthouse um, special short film uh, yeah sometime later we'll do you know commemorative cups and things like that um, yeah. it was it was okay um,
1: wait commemorative cups that you drink out of or the commemorative cups that you wear both okay Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. It's uh, a two-in-one sort of thing. It is. Yeah, man. you had to clarify. You can you to
0: get try. that. Um, you no, know, it was okay. I mean, the kids in the theater, of course, laughed and thought it was funny because it's talking animals. and They're doing goofy things, and they're you know, running in the walls and, and doing all that stuff. And I think if you were a pet owner, it would have been funny to see the cartoon pets doing things that you know pets kind of do. Oh look, my cat does that too. That's funny. Or yeah, absolutely, totally. I'm I'm a dog person. I I get dogs do that all the time. But the funniest parts of the movie were what was in the preview. Mm, I was afraid of that. And the the Kevin Hart bunny was a little over the top, as Kevin Hart tends to be.
3: I was going to say that was to be expected.
0: No, I I mean there were there was a portion of the movie that I went, well, here's a whole other thing for AMC theaters. There was a portion of the movie where I went to go get a refill on our popcorn and I had to wait in line probably about 10 minutes because they hadn't scheduled enough people to be running the concession stand.
3: Oh, I assume you were at our local then because they never do. Yes. Yeah. And then,
0: and then couldn't couldn't find a manager afterwards to talk to them about it. So they were having all kinds of trouble. Um,
3: There's never enough people
0: at that one. So, I came back in about 10 minutes later and I don't really think I had missed a whole lot of the movie because I came back in and I asked Nora, I said, well, what did I miss? And she's like, um, they just, they walked some more. They went other places. I'm like, okay, well, anything really funny happen? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, if a kid, if a a five almost six year old kid can't tell me, oh, they did this and they did that. And then they did, uh, then you know, it, it's an okay movie.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> you I get got the several, exasperated, no, nothing happened. Yeah, that's right. usually.
0: I got several responses. I mean, but she had, she had fun. She had a blast. Like she loved it. Okay. Well, sure. But I got fev- several comments on Facebook when I posted up that I was there at the movie theater taking her to go see it. A few of our uh, older friends said, "Oh, didn't like that movie at all," and a couple other people commented back and said, "Oh yeah, nope, didn't like it. It was boring." So clearly, the adults are not liking it. But the kids do. Yeah. So
2: I I don't think it was made for adults.
0: No, no, definitely not. And the parts where they tried to bring in the more adult humor didn't make me laugh. They made me kind of, you know, smile. Maybe a, a, maybe a little a little tiny grin, but it wasn't like a laugh out loud. You know, haha! They got me. That's funny.
1: Yeah. Well, Finding Dory was a good movie. Yeah, it was. I did like it. Um, that.
3: that was outstanding. Yeah. I've heard great things. Still haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Civil
1: War was a really good movie. Everything else, I mean, nothing really uh, It's going to push me to go like crank out money for a ticket. You know what I'm saying? Well, and that was the other yeah. thing.
0: Going to this Secret Life of Pets movie, that, that's what I was going to say was going to this movie, I was looking around to see, you know, I, I like to go to the theaters that have the nice seats. I like that theaters have done that and they've upgraded it and they've got the reserved seats and everything else. But when I first looked at our local theater that had the reserved seats, it was going to cost twenty bucks, easily twenty bucks, to go for myself and a child to see this movie in the early part of the day. On yeah. A... yeah. No, Like that's not even concessions. Yeah. So if I and that's just me and one child. If I was to take the whole family, forget it. We'd be you know forty, fifty dollars in tickets before we even got to the popcorn and the other stuff. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I can tell you part of the reason why you're forty five percent down in your in your earnings because your tickets are too expensive.
1: Yeah, and like Tammy and I are going to be uh, heading out for our anniversary coming up, and it's like, hey, we get to go out for like dinner and a movie. Kids are going to be going to sleepovers and doing the whole thing, um, but you know that doesn't happen every weekend. It doesn't happen once a month, and I nothing would really make me want to do it. I mean, there's just plenty of other movies like from the past that I haven't seen that are easily accessible. So
0: no, and and I'll wait until I find a theater that has a deal that uh, Sharon and I are going to go see uh, star Trek beyond tomorrow. Cause it's cheap Tuesday, right? Cause it's cheap movie Tuesday at one of the other local theaters. So it's $5 for a ticket. Well, I'm going to wait and go to the $5 a ticket one.
1: Um, that's
0: yeah. So I, I'm not going to spend all that money when I've got an option. When theaters do stuff like that, then I'll go to that yeah. instead.
1: Well, it's been—it's Tammy's request, so I think we're going to end up going to see uh, uh, Ghostbusters, which I'm curious about too. So I'll, I'll be back next Monday with my uh, non-spoiler review. Okay, because that one—I yeah, that's my. You're
3: other- going out to celebrate your anniversary, and your wife is choosing Ghostbusters.
1: That's what she wants to go see. There's well really... done, young man. Well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's—I mean, here's the best part about Tammy is that like. Um, she will usually get sucked into just about any movie I put on. There's really no, like the big Lebowski she's struggling with, which I don't know, but that's sad. We all talked about the lethal weapon thing going on the other day. I like turn on lethal weapon. I do what I typically do. I watch the first 10 minutes, fall asleep, wake up a little bit later. Tammy was like trying to get some grad class stuff done. She's like, Essentially, thanks a lot, jerk. She totally got sucked into Lethal Weapon. So I'm just like, I caught the end. So I'm like, okay, well, are you going to bed? No, I got to do grad school work. I'm like, okay. I put on Lethal Weapon 2. Sure enough, I make it about 45 minutes in, fall asleep. She's waking me up. She's like, I'm just leaving because I just got sucked into Lethal Weapon 2. You know, so. (laughs) Tammy is is pretty awesome when it comes to uh, going movies, going to see movies. Did
0: you you brought up Big Lebowski? Did you realize that there was a Big Lebowski quote that came from Ferris Bueller?
1: Um, no, I did not realize that.
0: They killed my car.
1: They killed my car. Yeah.
0: All righty. Well, does anybody else have any other new movie news that they saw? Well, I'm going to throw this one out, and
2: I, I sent this to you, the other day, yeah. the remake slash reboot of The Rocketeer. Yes. Yeah. Um how do we feel?
0: Queasy.
3: Concerned. Pat's excited. I'm excited, man. That sounds like fun. I guess one of us has to be optimistic about this stuff.
0: You know what? <laughs> I I like the Rocketeer and I I don't I try not to be somebody who immediately like knee jerk is like, no no, no no, no, no no no, no no remakes, no sequels, no, but and I will probably go see it, but I kind of feel this, I feel the way a lot of people, I think, are feeling about Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters, is I like the original. I don't see that the original needs to be remade. To me, when you've got a movie that is set in a, it's already a period piece, it's already something that takes place in a different time period than what you're from, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I don't understand why it needs to be remade. You know, I, same thing with, I, I will probably be a little, I'll probably be a little wary when they decide to someday reboot or remake or whatever they're going to do with Indiana Jones, which we talked about last time. Is it, It's a period piece. It's, do you need to totally remake it and redo it? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Is, uh, Have you read any of the plot ideas yet?
0: Jeff, the one you sent said that it was going to be a female, an African-American female pilot.
2: Yeah, and the sense that I got is that they're trying to say that she is going to be one of a band of rocketeers.
0: Yeah, that the movie is supposed to be called The Rocketeers.
2: And so it's not just one person. It's going to be a group of people that somehow come together or brought together to be these flying humans. I haven't read what, uh, what they're thinking of doing in terms of setting. So I don't know if it's going to be a modern look or uh, I
1: heard, I heard it takes place after the second world war.
0: It's, it's supposed to be six years after the first movie.
1: Oh, so maybe in the second world war
0: and no cold war. So they're saying it's it's like start of the Cold War. It's supposed to be six years after the original Rocketeer movie, and it's more of a sequel because they're saying the original Rocketeer, Cliff Secord, has gone missing while he was fighting, and this new pilot decides to take up his mantle and become one of the team of Rocketeers.
1: So, okay. So it is after the Second World War? Yeah. Okay.
0: So, I mean, it's something that I, – I, I like the Rocketeer. So will I go see it? Sure, I'll go see it. Do I think it needs to be made? No. No, I mean, I, I would be perfectly fine. I, like, I'm not – I didn't jump up and down excited. When I heard that they were going to make a new Rocketeer movie, I didn't – and it's not a – it's not like some people with the Ghostbusters, like, why does it need to be an all-female cast? That's not it. I don't care if they had – if they even brought back the original – guy that played the Rocketeer and wanted to do a sequel, I don't even know if I'd be up for that. I feel the Rocketeer, to me, the Rocketeer is a little bit like Ferris Bueller. Like, I would not, I wouldn't want them to make a sequel to Ferris Bueller. Right. And I don't think they need to do a remake of Ferris Bueller. It's a one and done movie. Leave it alone. But that is just my thought. Mm. Does that answer your question?
1: That answers, wait, did I ask the question? No, Jeff did. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, that answered Jeff's question.
2: Okay. <laughs> Jeff, how are you feeling? Yeah. I, I agree with you, John, that um, I don't see the need for it. Um, I don't know what more they could, I, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. You know, I don't know what was wrong with the first one that you want to try to make changes. Um, other than because hey, I can mess with this thing and no one's going to stop me. Um, but I, I love I love the original one. I love the campiness of it. I love that it's its own it's its own entity, right? Like it's it's just its own thing in and of itself. It it doesn't rely on other uh, other movies, other stories. It's it's its own thing. And I like that about it. Yeah. And I like that it's a period piece.
0: Had they turned it at the time, had they turned it into like a James Bond thing where there were going to be several movies at the time, then I might feel a little differently, but it's been, when did that one come out? It's probably been 25 years. It was 91. It was 91. Okay. So it's been 25 years.
3: I just looked it up cause I was curious to see what Jennifer Connelly was up to.
0: Okay. Well, we're always curious about that.
2: Yes. Yes. We uh. are. I can ask her next time I talk to her. Okay. Oh, that'd be good. Tell her yeah.
0: Tell her if she needs help mowing her lawn that will uh, just let me know. We'll
2: do. Okay. Wait,
0: what?
1: What? Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I I uh I'm going to I'll wait and start seeing the first previews and then start like the fear or the not fear or whatever, but I don't know. Do people like uh fly I was going to say dudes, but like dudes or dudettes flying around with um you know rocket packs fighting bad guys is always exciting if they do it right that's cool if they do it wrong well that kind of stinks but i don't know yeah if
0: if i see a preview and it i mean it looks amazing then sure i'll go see it i just you know if if i was in charge of things somebody came to me and said hey we're thinking of remaking the rocketeer what do you think my response right off the bat would be i don't think you need to yeah but if, like you said, if they do it right and it looks cool, and we see the first previews, and it's like,
1: oh, well, okay, I'll go see that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, if if they can do like, I mean, that to me is sort of like an Iron Man thing, dude flying around in a cool suit, you know, guy flying. That could be that could be cool. And whenever they do period stuff, I find that kind of, I I, I get into that. I I like that.
0: Well, and that's that's also the new, it, funny that that kind of parallels the new setup for Iron Man in the comic books. The new Iron Man is actually an African-American girl. Cool. Right. Okay, I thought oh. it was kind of interesting that this kind of came out at about the same time. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if if they do it right and it looks cool and it looks unique enough, then sure, I'll I'll go see it. I'll probably wait and go see it on Tuesdays when the tickets are $5, but I'll go see it.
1: Hey, I just want to uh, be the history uh, nerd here. Um, the original was set in 1938, mm-hmm. and this one's supposed to be six years after, which I would believe sets it in 1944. The Second World War was still going on for a year, so I'm I'm just saying. I'm so you know.
0: Was the original set in 38?
1: I you know what I double I thought it was like mid to late 30s, so I just wanted to double check, and I just did. It said 1938, so.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, what I read said that it's supposed to be about six years yeah. okay. after the first, and it's. I, I think what I read was it's like the start of the Cold War. Yeah. So, But you're right. If it started in 38, the, if the last one was 38, that wouldn't be. Welcome to the 30-something history podcast.
1: Yeah, I know those dates. Hey, you know what? I guess the, here's the thing. If they try and take it, and, and you know how, like, uh, I didn't see it, but um, what's the one about Independence Day? Tongue in cheek. Yeah. Fine. Stuff blows up, but it's cool, it's exciting. You know, Will Smith is fun to watch in it. We're flying, you know, uh F eighteen Hornets against alien spacecraft and all that. It was kinda it was almost lighthearted. The second one seemed to like get I didn't see it, but it just seemed to get like dark and we're trying to make it all serious and brooding and like have big consequences and, and that just was like, What's the deal with that? So I guess if they do if they're able if they go for lighthearted and fun and this is a comic book movie Hey, that would be cool to go see in my book. If they suddenly try and make the Rocketeer and change it into something that by trying to make it too heavy or serious or overtones that weren't there in the original, then it's kind of like, why? Are, that's where I, it would kick in. Like, hey, why are we doing this? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it.
0: Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out June 11th, 1986. Um, rated PG-13, director, producer, and writer for this one was John Hughes, who died in 2009. Um, Didn't realize it was that long ago. Like, I felt like it was only just a few years ago, but I guess it's already been seven years now. Uh, John Hughes directed 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Uncle Buck, and several others. He produced The Breakfast Club, Some Kind of Wonderful, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, and Home Alone. Um, He also wrote National Lampoon's Vacation, Mr. Mom, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Some Kind of Wonderful, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, and several others. Another producer on this one was Tom Jacobson, who also produced Flashdance, Explorers, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, and Mission to Mars. Music on this one was the trifecta of Arthur Baker, who did Beat Street and Sudden Death, Ira Newborn, who did Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, Dragnet, Naked Gun Movies, Ace Ventura, and Mallrats, and John Roby who did uh, two short films, one called Heroines and one called The Loneliness of Animals. The budget on this one was $5.8 million. The box office was $70.1 million. Starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller, who was also in War Games, Project X, Glory, The Lion King, The Cable Guy, Godzilla, and The Producers. Alan Ruck, who played Cameron Fry, was in Young Guns 2, Speed, Star Trek Generations, and Spin City. Mia Sarah, who we just talked about last week in Legend, Played Sloane Peterson. Uh, she was in Legend and Shadows in the Storm and Time Cop. Jeffrey Jones played Ed Rooney, Principal Ed Rooney, uh, or Dean of Students. Was he, the, he wasn't the principal. He was the Dean of Students. I mean, not that there's that big of a difference, but... Um, uh, he was in Amadeus, Howard the Duck, Beetlejuice, and The Hunt for Red October. Jennifer Grey played Jeannie Bueller. She was in Red Dawn and Dirty Dancing. Cindy Pickett played Katie Bueller, uh, Ferris Bueller's mom, she was in the TV show St. Elsewhere, as well as Sleepwalkers and Son-in-Law. Lyman Ward played Tom Bueller, Ferris's dad. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Sleepwalkers, and Independence Day. Uh, Edie McClurg played Grace, um, Ed Rooney's assistant. She was in The Little Mermaid, Wreck-It Ralph, and Frozen. Charlie Sheen played the boy in the police station. He was in Red Dawn, Platoon, Wall Street, Hot Shots, Major League, and The Three Musketeers. Ben Stein played the economics teacher. He was in Win Ben Stein's Money, an awesome, awesome game show. He was also in a movie called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, Ghostbusters 2, and a few episodes of The Wonder Years. Jonathan Schmuck was the Shakey's Mater D, and he was in Some Kind of Wonderful and a whole bunch of TV shows. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one 81%. The audience gave it a 92%. Uh, Ebert, let's see, I got Siskel and Ebert here. Ebert gave it three stars. He said, quote, in all of his films, adults are strange, distant creatures who love their teenagers but fall comp- or fail completely to understand them. That's the case here, all right. All the adults, including a bumbling high school dean, are dim-witted and one-dimensional, and the movie's solutions to Cameron's problems are pretty simplistic. But the film's heart is in the right place, and Ferris Bueller is a slight, whimsical, and sweet movie. Siskel, however, did not like this movie at all and said, and then there's the matter of the film's overall structure. At the end of the picture, we get the message that Ferris may have had an altruistic motive for ditching. It may be that he really sees himself as the class-pied piper, setting an example of free-living spirit for his uptight friends who have typical rotten parents. If this element of Ferris's teacher had been scattered more frequently throughout the movie, it would have been a better film. This picture should be re-edited. And he gave it a big, big thumbs down uh cinema score gave this one an a minus so people liked it when they came out of the theater um in terms of awards there were several awards for this one or several nominations nominated for best performance by an actor in a motion picture for a golden globe matthew broderick uh it won the national film registry award um and i think there may have been a couple of other nominations too but they're not on this list And our summary for this one Ferris Bueller has an uncanny skill at cutting classes and getting away with it. Intending to make one last ditch before graduation, Ferris calls in sick, borrows a Ferrari, and embarks on a one day journey through the streets of Chicago. On Ferris's trail is the high school principal, Rooney, determined to catch him in the act. Ferris, you're sick.
2: And don't go pushing it and making yourself worse. Uh, Maybe you're right, Dad. I know I'm right, pal.
1: How'd you get to
2: be so sweet? They bought it.
1: Well, why should he get to skip school when everybody
2: else has to go? I'm taking the day off. Now get dressed and come on over. Ferris, my father loves his car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. What are we gonna do? The question isn't what are we going to do, the question is what aren't we going to do?
1: Wants. you know as long as i've known him everything works for him
2: whenever he wants he's very cool and he never gets nailed
1: life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it you realize if we played by the rules right now we'd be in gym <laughs> dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Ferris Bueller, do you know?
2: Him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude.
1: Hi, I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. That's me.
2: I can see him denying popular belief, setting off on some impossible mission.
1: I did not achieve this
2: position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind.
1: You want to get married?
2: Central Park in fall mean if I wasn't a fool? Sure
1: Today He looks
0: back on the ruin his life's become He is gonna remember Edward Rooney Hey, Dougie It's dead, Cameron
3: You killed the car
1: My best friend has flipped out
3: I got you, Paris
2: I think this calls for something bold I finally got you Something wet Oh, he's such a sweetie they all adore him. Love you, Tom. Something wild. <laughs>
0: Men's struggle to take it easy. All righty, so a little bit of background on this one. Um, P- Matthew Broderick began dating Jennifer Grey during the filming of this movie, and they kept their relationship a secret, uh, but they did get engaged until they were both involved in a fatal car crash in Ireland in 1987, which the other two people that they hit were killed. Um, they had been engaged at one point, but they did never marry. Broderick is currently married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, John Hughes designed Ferris's bedroom and tried to base it off of his own room growing up. And if John Hughes had all that stuff in his room, then way to go, John Hughes. And where'd you yep. get all the money? Because that's a ridiculous amount of stuff. I think I have in my notes here somewhere. Uh, yeah, Ferris complains repeatedly about not having a car. But if you look at all the equipment in his room, computer and sound equipment and otherwise, he's probably got somewhere between ten and $20,000 worth of equipment in there between like the synthesizer and the computer and the...
3: the synthesizer itself was pretty darn expensive. I think
0: it was like $8,000 just for the synthesizer.
3: Yeah.
0: I tried to look up what it would have been in, in 84, 85 when they were filming, but, and then he's got a, um, a, uh, like a a white Falcon guitar in his room too. And that would have been expensive at the time. And yeah, so he doesn't have a car, but apparently he gets all this technology stuff. Uh, most of the license plates that you see in the movie are all abbreviations for other films by John Hughes. Um, the, let's see, Ferris Bueller's mom's license plate is VCTN for National Lampoon's Vacation Movie. Uh, his sister's is TBC for The Breakfast Club. Uh, his dad's is M O M M O M for Mr. Mom. Uh, Principal Rooney's is 4FBDO for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, the only exception is Cameron's Ferrari, uh, which license plate reads Nervous and R-V-O-U-S. Ferris's High School is Shermer High School, so it would have been the same high school from 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club. Uh, Mia Sarah almost passed on the character of Sloan because she was auditioning for the part of Sarah in Labyrinth at the time. Uh, the restaurant Chez Key, which means in French something like the house of whom, uh, is actually a play on the name Shakey's, the first pizza restaurant franchise in the U.S., which is based in California. Uh, of which uh, John Hughes was a fan. Um, and the restaurant where Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan dine as Abe Froman and guests is also the same restaurant that Jake and Elwood come and trash in the Blues Brothers. How much for the women? I, mean, I want to buy your little girls.
3: How much for the little women. girls? Sell me your children.
0: <coughs> Uh, We've got, according to Ferris's transcript, now see, some of these classes I would like to take. Ferris's transcript on the computer says he's enrolled in English composition, calculus, chemistry, gym, computer science, European history, and utopian society. But not economics. But not economics. So he shouldn't even be in that class. Uh, Hughes intended the movie to be more focused on the characters rather than the plot. Hughes was quoted as saying, I know how the movie begins, I know how it ends, I don't ever know the rest, but that doesn't seem to matter. It's not the events that are important. It's the characters going through the event. Therefore, I make them as full and real as I can. This time around, I wanted to create a character who could handle everyone and everything. Uh, Hughes also said of filming in Chicago, Chicago is what I am. A lot of Ferris is sort of my love letter to the city, and the more people who get upset with the fact that I film there, the more I'll make sure that's exactly where I film. It's funny. (laughs) Nobody ever says anything to Woody Allen about always filming in New York. America has this great reverence for New York. I look at it as this decaying horror pit. So let the people in Chicago enjoy Ferris Bueller. Here, here. There you go. Uh, the last little thing I had here was while Cameron's house is in Highland Park, Illinois, just a few miles from where we live, um, Ferris's house is actually loaded, located in Long Beach, California. All right. So that's all I got for the background of this one. Um, let me start it off with this question. We talked about this with some of the other John Hughes movies, and this may depend on you know when the first time you saw this movie was. Um, John Hughes movies are made for kids and teenagers. Has this movie changed for you as you've aged? And that kind of starts with when was the first time you saw this? Yeah, I mean,
3: I I didn't see in the movie theaters. Obviously, too young. Really, um, but I saw it relatively young, and I wouldn't say it's changed much over the years. I might enjoy it even more, because I, when I watch it now, it's more nostalgic than anything. I mean it's just fun. Like I watched it again today, and I was, it was just I was excited to come home and fire up Hulu and watch Ferris Bueller while I did some stuff at home. It's, it's a classic example of a movie you can come into at any point. You're clicking around on Comcast, and you find Ferris Bueller on a Sunday afternoon. Uh just lost an hour. Because <laughs> you're mm-hmm. not going to not watch it.
0: <laughs> it's, I've heard another person refer to those as kryptonite movies.
3: There you go. I like it. I've heard of it being referred to as getting Shawshanked.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. But yeah, this is one that does it for me. It doesn't matter where you come in. You just pop in, you watch it, watch it all the way through.
2: I agree. I don't remember the last, or when I first saw this movie. Um, Maybe 10 or 11 years old when I first saw it. Um, But has it changed, or has me growing up, or let's put it this way, me getting older, I haven't quite grown up, but as getting older made me look at this movie differently. I don't think so, because I think at the heart of the movie, it celebrates the notion of just wanting to put your hands up and say, you know what? I'm not doing life today. <laughs> and whether you are a student in high school or a college student or an adult in a career, we all still have those days where you wake up. You say, how can I be expected to go to school on a day like this? And it's a gorgeous day, and there's so many other things you'd rather be doing with your time. And you just, however you get around doing it, you make that phone call or, you know, go online and say, hey, I'm not coming in today. So I think that's still at the heart of it, no matter what age you are. That's what at least that's what I appreciate about the movie is that it's it's always going to be almost that reminder that some days you just got to say screw it and just take the day.
1: Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a funny movie. You guys uh, both said it you know really well. I remember seeing it when I was young, probably ten or eleven. Uh, I, my folks saw it first. And uh, I remember them just talking about it, and I, I mentioned it to my mom, and she's like, oh my gosh, that was one of the funniest movies ever. And it, that's kind of what I remember is just, you know, I never really took it very seriously. Um, and, uh, uh, I, yeah, I never really took it very seriously, but I, I just, you know, it was pretty uh, it was pretty funny. It was um, uh, <laughs> just the scenes he gets into. And that very lie, like, how can I be expected to go to school on a day like this? And then when he's talking about the ways that he gets out of, uh, this is how you fake being sick. And the line about, um, yeah, when you double over and pretend that you have abdominal pain, lick your hands. I know that seems very childish, but let's be honest. So is high school.
2: I mean, that's just. And you can substitute any word for right. high school. Right. Yeah. You know, so is work. So is adulting. Yeah.
1: Like, you Yeah.
2: Know, it- it's all childish, so why yeah. not just take a break?
1: Yeah, and then the only things that the only things that struck me when I saw this movie, and I'll be honest, like how has it changed? Not really much. I mean, I watch it, I enjoy it, and I don't try and take too much out of it. I, I don't I don't quite, quite blah, blah, blah. I don't quite take the social commentary that I get out of the Breakfast Club with it. Um, but the things that kind of struck me with this was, again, yeah, all the adults are jerks. And it's just like, man, I, I sure hope that, like, my kids and the students that I teach don't quite see it that way. Um, one, and there was one scene in particular that did There's a scene where they all go to class, and then there's this kid that, like, drops his books in the hall. And it's just a little kind of an aside scene, and he kind of throws his hands up like, ah, as everyone's rushing to get to class. And there's a scene where like some adult, like a teacher or something, just walks right by him, doesn't even bend on to like help pick stuff up. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I don't think I've seen that in fifteen years of teaching. I don't think I've seen that happen once to where like an adult won't jump to like help a kid. Um tell so,
2: about
1: my classroom. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I mean, I, I don't know, and that that kind of starts to bug me, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna take this movie as social commentary. I'm not gonna approach it on that level. This is just building that whole, oh, school stinks kind of thing. And it's a fantasy world. And as, as soon as I keep that in my head, then I, then I don't get too serious about it. But I, I guess yeah, I, I answered both questions. Loved it. Saw it when I was young. It still cracks me up. You know, just Matthew Broderick's portrayal of, of you know, Ferris Bueller is hilarious. But as soon as I get thinking about it a little bit too much, I just kind of have to stop and say, okay, see it for what it is don't judge it too much so
0: yeah i think i saw this one first in high school because i not being from illinois or chicago originally um you know i don't know that there would have been too much of a reason to have seen this movie early on um and i remember a whole bunch of people talking about it you know being in high school and and people were talking about oh ferris bueller day office it's a great movie it's a great movie you gotta see it and I'd never even heard of it before, so I think the first time I saw it was probably pretty early on in high school and watched it and, and thought it was hilarious. Now, I had no clue, just having moved here, I had no clue what most of these landmarks were that they were mm-hmm. going to. You know, I recognized I recognized some of it because I remember we watched Blues Brothers a lot when I was a kid, so I knew some of these locations. Mm-hmm. I, I recognized some of like the, the types of the streets, like Wacker and, and some of these other streets. And I was like, okay, I, I've seen that stuff before. Um, I know that much about Chicago and I think maybe we had been to the art Institute once. And so I knew some of that, but you know, it was not, it was not like, and I don't know if you guys had that experience. It was not like watching a movie where I go, Oh man, that's my hometown. Like I've been there and I've been there and I didn't have that experience watching it for the first time. It was more of a, Oh, okay. Here's some places in Chicago. Maybe I'll have to get there someday and go see these things. Whereas, you know, if they had filmed, you know growing up near london or or growing up in dallas or somewhere like that if they had filmed something in my hometown you know i'd be kind of excited to see that but for me that i didn't have that draw to this movie initially the one one of the reasons that i asked has this movie changed for you over time is because i kind of felt a little bit like it had for me and then, as I was reading some other people's reviews or listening to a couple of people's reviews uh, that they had put up for this movie on YouTube, there were a lot of people. and of course, these are all adults. These are all people that are at least our age or a little bit older. A lot of people really did not, as they were as they were talking through this and talking through through their reviews as an adult, they did not like the character of Ferris. <laughs> that as they got older, he had become to to quote these adults uh the character of Ferris when you watch this movie as an adult he's more douchey than he was when you watch this as a teenager yeah. and i wondered if and i picked up a little bit on that watching it this time there were a couple times where and and pat like you said i'm not looking for that kind of stuff i'm just watching this to enjoy the movie i'm not i'm not seeking yeah. this out but there were a couple of times where when ferris says something or does something i'm sitting there going that's kind of cold like that's that doesn't seem like something a friend would do. I mean, I know, and I know you're pushing Cameron to have a good day, or I know you're doing this for this particular reason, but you sometimes you're kind of a jerk, and yeah. I kind of, I kind of dismiss that as most of these other reviewers that you know they started going into territory like, oh well, he's a sociopath, he doesn't care about the feelings of others, and I'm like, no, that that's a movie teenager.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like when you portray well, I, teenagers, I think that's a teenager in general. Well, sometimes, yeah is that it's it's more self-centered. Right, not I mean, you're more focused on yourself. And... Uh, I, you know, I, I'm doing this to better mm-hmm. somebody else. Well, you're really not, but you just don't have the foresight or life experience to understand that. Right. So, of course, you're doing what you think is the best thing to do. I think adults that start feeling that way when they watch this movie or start pointing that out when they watch this movie now, I think they're just ignoring their own bitterness And projecting that onto the likes of the character of Ferris.
0: Right. Because even when, I mean, I heard these people giving these reviews and they started, you know, they started talking like, oh, well, this is, this is how the movie is. And this is the gospel truth about, you know, Ferris Bueller's day off is that he's a, a sociopath and he doesn't care about other people. Well, I'm watching it going, okay, now as an older person who's, you know, 20 years removed from, you know, almost 20 years removed from high school. I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, there are times where I look at that and I go, oh, come on, Ferris, that, that's not cool or or that's not. But I'm also reminding myself that's probably the way I was when I was 17, 18 years old. So I, I'm not going to be too hard on this movie character for, you know, the movie character hasn't changed. It's the same movie it was when I first watched it, you know, 20 years ago. It's me that's mm-hmm. different and it's me looking back going, okay, I'm not like that now. But I can look back at that and go, yeah, I probably was just as self-centered and weird and and you know, caring a little bit less about other people's feelings as you sometimes see Ferris doing in this movie. Yeah.
1: I for me it was just I, I I'm gonna repeat myself, but I, I didn't quite see it as character sketches that ooh, do I identify with that? Do I not identify with that? For me it was they were caricatures done for comedic effect mm-hmm. you know he was i i'm not going to sit I, I don't know if i'm going to sit there and say well you know i was just like ferris because i didn't give a hoot about anybody and i mean you'd have to ask the people i hung out with in high school about that whole thing but i i didn't feel the need to it, that wasn't the point this was just a story about some smooth talking you know kind of yeah he could be a jerk but then he was surrounded by jerks i mean it wasn't smooth
3: talking righteous dude
1: yeah, that's right. You know, Edward Rooney was a jerk. I yes. mean, you know, like I said, the only thing that really kind of bothered me, and it was funny, was that one scene where the kid had all his books on the floor, and, like, the teacher just walked by without helping. I, I, that stuck with me, and I'd never noticed it before. And then it was just like, wow, that's pretty cold. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, this and this kind of goes into you know, identifying with the character and, and saying, you know, would I, would I look at myself as being like a Ferris or like a Cameron or somebody like that? Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot about the character of Ferris Bueller that you might look at that and go, oh, maybe that's the way I wish I was in high school. I, I wish I was more outgoing. I wish I was somebody who dared to do these type of things. Because I look at this and I go, you know, this movie, it's fun. Did it ever inspire me to, you know, ditch school and it, it inspired me to look at that and go, "Oh, that'd be really fun to do." Did I ever actually do that? No. And do I identify with any of these characters? If I identify with anybody, it's I probably would consider myself more of a camera, and I would be too afraid to ditch school. Yeah. But that kind of goes into an interesting and this is people reading into things way too far. Um, too afraid to stand up to his friends. Right. This this is reading into it a little bit too far, but I did, in some of my, my searching on this, find that there is a fan theory out there, and, and of course we know fan theories from like Star Wars and other things are just as crazy as the fans who come up with them. Um, but there is a fan theory out there that Ferris Bueller does not exist, that he is, much like in Fight Club, that he is a figment of Cameron's imagination, uh, and Cameron is creating this character in his head to do all the things he wish he could do. Interesting, like interesting, but you're reading too far into this. I, I don't think John Hugh, John no, Hughes yeah. never said this is what it is. So, yeah, you know, it's not an official, it's not an official thing. It's just fans, you know, taking something and running with an idea that they thought was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I could see it. But at the same, it's just it's just a fun movie. Like John Hughes said, it's a love letter to Chicago. I think that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. It's kids, it's creating like a, a super kid, like a super teenager that can get away with anything, everything goes right for him, and he gets to spend a day romping around Chicago.
1: Yeah. I But again, it's fantasy. Right. And it I don't I don't look I didn't look up to him back then and I don't look up to him now. You know, like I don't I don't see how I would fit into that equation, like looking at it. Like I don't
0: You don't wanna be I, Ferris?
1: No, man, I wouldn't want to like I wouldn't do that just wouldn't be my thing and I I wouldn't uh I wouldn't want to take advantage of my friends like that and that's kind of what he did and I think that's the stumbling block people had is I don't think you're we're not being presented with some guy that's just this wonderful hero and I don't think the movie is intended to do that again I think it's caricatures done for you know comedic effect really
0: so what is your, of of the things that they go do during their day off, uh, what is your favorite scene in the movie? We'll get the favorite quotes here in a minute, but what, what's your favorite scene in the movie? Of all the things that they go do, what's your favorite scene? i
2: mean, I would say uh,
0: Cubs game. I, I figured you probably would be.
2: Hmm.
3: Though
0: I have seen a lot of people argue and say, hey, if they truly were kids ditching school, they should be out in the bleachers with the rest of the kids.
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah. And apparently it was originally intended to be a White Sox game, but the White Sox were not playing day games during the time they were filming. Ooh. Cause John Hughes, I guess is not a Cubs fan. I guess he was a White Sox fan.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, so the lights at Wrigley weren't even in yet. when right. This movie was made because that right. didn't happen until 88. So, uh, for 62 games or for, uh, I'm sorry, 81 games of the season. It's all afternoon games. Yeah.
0: So, what about you, Bo?
1: Jump in there with your favorite scene, man.
3: Well, I I don't want to pile on with the Cubs game, but anytime you show Wrigley Field on camera looking that good, you got to love that. But, you know, I think my favorite scene might be the valet is joyriding in the car.
1: Mm. <laughs> because
3: those two guys Wars are having scene. a blast.
1: I know, man. And it and starts they... with the Star Wars scene with the car mm-hmm. going over the top. Uh-huh. Yep. Like, yeah, oh my God, that's just hilarious. And I love those guys because
3: they walk away after returning the car to him and say, we got to do that again, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I like yeah. just his whole, his whole demeanor before they take the car. Sir, please. And he's just—he's very kind <laughs> and polite. And like the moment they turn their backs, he's zipped out the door.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: I just had a thought about that scene. So they're—they're they're playing the Star Wars theme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first shot isn't the first shot from. Oh, maybe not. Never mind. I would say underneath the car. It is. So, so you yeah. see it going over. Oh, yeah. Kind of like yeah, the, uh, the Star
1: Wars. Oh yeah! Yeah! I yeah! oh because they're jumping the car
0: there you go jeff for the win
2: thank you everybody thank you thank jeff. you thank you thank you love you all
0: jeff is the secret square
2: right <laughs> thanks sammy <There>
1: you go. <laughs> no problem.
0: pat what was yours what was your favorite
1: scene man you know what I liked every single scene that that car was in, except for one, which we'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. But man, when that car shows up, that was just awesome. And I like the way they did the music with that. I'm not going to be able to sing it, but that was, you know, when he first pulls up to the car, it's got that real like, I don't know how to describe the music. You have to just play a clip. I can't sing it, but it's when he gets into the car and he drives away and, and Cameron's like, you know, Ferris, bring the car back right now. And uh, from that to when he picks Sloan up, and um, um, you know they take off driving for the city, and Cameron's kind of ducking, uh, kind of ducking out of the, the convertible top covering thing, and they're playing that uh, wow. it's some it's some tune with like a like a guitar riff. I like that. I like it when the guys take the car for the joyride. I anything with the car is pretty cool. Um, that being said, I do not. By any stretch of the imagination, I do not like the end when <laughs> he kills the car. no pat likey no
3: that it is kind of sad when that car rolls out the back of that garage mm-hmm.
1: that it was excessive. there was no need for that in the movie <laughs> world or in the movie world or in the real world with the plot. that did not need to happen.
0: I could just see you you like the the whole scene where he's like kicking in the the bumper of it too, yeah. I, I see what? you I see you, channeling... yeah,
2: I, just, I see you channeling bridges and cries yeah
1: I see you channeling that scene
0: from uh I, I see you channeling that scene from Animal House when uh Blutarski is standing outside and the guy trips and drops the entire case of whiskey
2: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I that's how Pat that.
0: reacts when you mess up a car in a movie
1: yeah, I mean, in that car you can mess up any other car, I don't care about messing up you know whatever. <laughs> But yeah, that that was I just I wasn't a big fan of that whole thing.
2: Would you feel better knowing it
1: wasn't a real Ferrari? Um yeah, in real world I mean I, I yeah, because Because real, it wasn't. Right. Yeah, it was a uh it was an AMG, wasn't it? Or something. I think so. It yeah, they built a fake Ferrari on an MG chassis. Yeah. Because I it think
3: was, if it that, was fiberglass.
1: If that car if that car was uh, real, it probably would be more expensive than the cost in the movie itself. So I, um, I, I, can imagine that they, they kicked up a model, but the, the point of it was, I, I just, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a big fan of that.
0: They did, uh, at the end of May, they did something actually here in Lake Forest called mm-hmm. Ferris Fest. And I originally, when I first heard about this months ago, I thought, Oh, I, I, then I'm going to go see the movie because it's right here mm-hmm. in, in Lake Forest, the town that I live in. It's right here. And they have, at the community center, they've actually named the theater, uh, the John and Nancy Hughes Theater within the cool. community center building that we have. And so they were going to do a showing in the movie with a Q&A, and they were going to have some of the actors, I think his parents, were going to be there from the movie, a couple of other people, not, you know, not Matthew Broderick and not the big-name people, but a few people were going to be there. And then what they were going to do was they had recreated a replica of his room and they were going to take you on a tour. It was going to be two or three days and you could, you know, you could pay for just one day at a time if you wanted to just go to one of the days tours or, or just see the movie or, or whatever. And they were going to tour the different spots. Like you could go sit in the same seats they sat in at Wrigley field. You could go up the, uh, the Sears tower, uh, you go to the, the stock exchange, yeah, go out all the different places that they went and they would take a bus and, and take you to all these places. Um, but then when I found out what the tickets cost, like even just to see They're the expensive. movie expensive.: Oh man, just because you couldn't just see the movie, you had to pay for that day's ticket price, and it was part yeah. there was a tour, I think, of the replica room, and they had a replica of the car, and then you could see the movie. I think for that day alone it was like 160 dollars.: It okay. was not cheap. Yeah, because we I'm talked like, about
3: doing it. Until the second we saw the ticket
0: price, right, and I did too. I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, cool, you know, even if the tickets are you know it, because it's a, a special event, even if, even if the tickets are like ah, 15, twenty bucks, I, I might still go just to see the movie and ha- see the Q and a and do all that. No, the moment I saw it was like 160 per day, and that was like the cheapest of the days. The other yeah. days were going to be upwards of like two hundred and thirty dollars or something, so you'd have to drop almost six hundred dollars to do the whole weekend. Like I like Ferris Bueller, but I don't have the I don't have the same amount of money that Ferris Bueller apparently has. Yeah. <laughs> so
3: apparently, there's this deleted scene where he mm-hmm. sold a savings bond that he got from his dad, and that's how he had the money to do all his stuff.
0: Yeah. Apparently, they they took it out because they said, you know, we we want to show that he can manipulate his way through these things, but we don't want to show he's a thief. Exactly. So we'll we'll take this scene out of the movie and. Yeah, I think there were a couple of other scenes like that that did not play well during the first screening of it. So they just kind of said, "Nah, we're gonna, yeah, we're we're gonna change a couple things here." Apparently, there were also scenes where they were gonna go to a strip club
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a couple of other things. They're like, "No, we'll take that out. We don't have we don't have enough time to film the whole thing, and it just doesn't it doesn't fit anyway." So let's. They don't
1: want to show that he's a thief when he steals a fifteen million dollar car. Right. But I get it. I get he doesn't it.
2: steal. Cameron opens the door for him.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: Well, he get, gets to hey, and it unlock. His, his dad should have locked says, the garage. He even says, I could have stopped you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So Cameron knows that he let Ferris do that. Yeah. And I think deep down inside, Cameron wanted Ferris to do that.
1: Yeah.
2: If for no other reason that it became the catalyst for Cameron to finally stand up to his
1: dad. Yeah, he took the direct approach. Definitely kick, kick mm-hmm. the car. But at that point, he wasn't kicking the car. No, he, he was, was kicking the car. Kid. I've had this. I, w- no. we can argue this word. No. He was kicking his dad. He dad wasn't. I just, I, you know, I think number one is, uh, uh, if he wants to go, you got to go address it with your dad. I mean, you could sit there and beat the heck out of the car. That's not gonna do anything. You still gotta go do it with your dad. So I don't I don't buy this symbolic I'm kicking the dad kind of thing. I just I don't know. I just didn't like that scene. I mean if he wants to get angry and wants to destroy stuff and do whatever, then you know, whatever, but that's
2: Well the but the, the confronting the dad is the follow up to destroying the car.
1: Okay. So Pat
3: has come down uh against symbolism today. Yeah. Yeah. A car is sometimes just a car. Mm-hmm. As I was trying to say
0: Pat, Pat's not a fan of fantasy or symbolism.) <laughs> Pat doesn't like to use his imagination.:
1: That's, I have no, no <laughs> imagination.:
0: if, if it's not real and it doesn't have wheels, Pat doesn't care.: Yeah: I't while you guys have been talking, I've been trying to think of what my favorite scene in this movie is, and I'm not quite sure. Like I don't know that I can pinpoint one particular scene and say that one is my favorite like I favorite I have favorite lines and favorite you know bits here and there and um maybe the maybe the parade scene um yeah I might have to go with the parade scene uh you know I I still love I love all the other bits and pieces like I, I love the part where the guys are in the, the parking garage and they take the car for a ride and and uh, I love when they're I, but I have little like little snippets of a scene like where he's trying to run back home and he's sprinting yeah. through everybody's houses and the backyards and everything else and yet he stops and takes time to say hi to the women that are sunbathing. Yeah, wow. that, yeah, um,
3: you gotta do that.
0: I th- and I, I, just, I thought that part was hilarious. He's just running, running, running. All of a sudden, the camera stays on that scene. It's like, well, why aren't we cutting to the next scene? Oh, because he's coming back. Hi, Ferris, how's it going? And I just I love all of the little references to everywhere you go. There's something about save Ferris, or there's something about community rallies around sick boy, or on yeah. the uh, on the marquee at Wrigley Field it says save Ferris, and yeah. I just I yeah. like how they put all those little bits in there, and, and even at the mom at the police station, it's like oh you, you know um make sure to tell your son you know everybody here at the station's pulling for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, just and having that you,
0: stuff that ran throughout the entire movie, I think I think that was the part that I liked.
1: And and I, some of you more uh, knowledgeable movie watchers can explain to me what this technique is. But it seems like John, you know, Hughes is able to uh, uh, put the camera on a scene and just kind of let the tension build or let the scene kind of sink into you. And and for you know even that whole like. Uh, um, ben Stein giving the uh, the economics lecture, and he's he's talking, and it was anyone anyone, and then he fills in a blank, and then he keeps talking. And the thing I always focused on is the Bueller Bueller. But in watching that scene again, just everything in there, it just lets that scene sit and just kind of cook. And it's got the person chewing the gum and blowing the bubble. It's got the stills of the just absolutely, you know, students bored out of their mind. And I yeah, he does some all of his scenes are, are put together with a lot of detail it seems and apparently it, that that his whole scenes thing' were
2: improvised.
0: yeah, that whole thing apparently was supposed to be done off camera okay where you wouldn't even see Ben Stein talking but okay. apparently they came in and, and Jeff, like you were saying, they had him improvise it
2: right like, like what, what do you know and then teach a lesson on what you know and he's like, oh well, I know this so I'll just go up to the board and talk about this. So everything he was saying was just as it was coming to him.
1: That's cool.
0: And they said that he, the extras and the other people that were there applauded at the end of it, and Ben Stein thought, oh, this is great, like people actually learned something, but they applauded him because they thought he was playing the best, most boring teacher you could possibly think of. So <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were applauding his acting, yeah. and he thought they were applauding that he had actually taught them something about economics. That's fun. That's fun. But that was, in that part... My when I first started teaching, and I did this every single year, first day of school, when we would do attendance, very first day, and I was just getting to know the kids. Every single time, I would get to the bees in the uh, in the roster, and I'd always do Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. And my first year, I probably had maybe a third of the class got the joke, and they were they were either laughing or smiling. And then the sad thing was, every subsequent year. Fewer and fewer kids got the joke. Yeah. And I was like, come on, guys. And until they got to the point where I didn't have anybody that got the joke. And so then I actually put a poster up for parent-teacher conferences that said, please show your children Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I had some kids come back like, my mom and dad said that at parent-teacher conferences, you told them we had to watch this movie. And we did. And it was awesome. Like, you're welcome. Yeah. Future of was... America.
1: Yeah. It was... um It was fun, and it goes in cycles. You know, kids will get it, kids won't. um, About midway through my teaching, some kid uh, wore a Save Ferris shirt to school. Mm -hmm. Nice. Isn't
2: that a band, though? Yeah. It might have been because of the the band Save Ferris and not the movie.
1: I've never heard of the band. I don't know anything about the band, but I did ask about that. I'm like, are you, and she was a big Ferris Bueller's Day Off fan. Okay. Okay. Yeah,
0: but you're right. There is a band called Save Ferris. Okay. All right. So if you, uh, I'm going to jump in with this one, and then we'll give our give. You can give your favorite (laughs) quotes right after this, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, If you could take a day off, what would you do? Where would you go? Jeff would go to a Cubs game. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Probably. Pat would go to the auto show. Yeah, the auto show.
1: There you go. No, I
3: think Pat would go MMA
1: i go MMA.
3: <laughs> yeah, go watch a cage match or two, right?
1: Yeah. There was a
0: demolition derby this last weekend.
1: There was. If I Honestly, if I was going to take a day, um, I'd go to the beach. Actually, nice. come to think of it, on Senior Ditch Day, I did go to the beach. So there you go.
0: So Pat's day off I'd- was to go to the beach? What was that? Pat's day off was to go to the beach.
1: My day off was to go to the That's always it, man. Okay. That's like beach,
2: lake. Actually, in the springtime, I usually do take a day off, and I go to the zoo, and just walk around the zoo for the day and bring my iTunes and my headphones and just wander around for hours.
0: Take them to the zoo.
2: Cool. <laughs> cool.
0: Nice. Bo, what would you do?
3: Probably go to a Cubs game or some, let's call it some sporting event. Because I cut out on a Friday before and gone to the racetrack too.
0: <laughs> Here we go. I think I would. Mine would either be a combination of I. I'd go see. I'd go see a couple movies. I'd probably go to the movie theater, see a couple of movies. But I think another thing I would—I'd go walk around. I'd just go walk around the city. Like, I don't—I—I I love just walking around the city. I don't need to go anywhere in particular. I just, on occasion, I like to just go down to the city. I just like to walk around, watch the people, just be down there. I, that would probably be if if I were to take a day off. I would, you know, it wouldn't be as wild and crazy as Ferris Bueller. I'm not going to get up on a float and start singing, um, unless that they had one for me. Um but I think, I'd, I think I'd probably go into the city and just walk around, do stuff. That yeah. was one of the other interesting things, though, to me was, um, and I didn't read all of Siskel's review on this, but Siskel said, if this is a teenage kid's day off, it's a boring day off. And I'm like, um, Siskel, did you watch this
3: movie?
0: <laughs> I mean, number one, you're not a teenage kid, so right. whatever. But how is this not, like he said, nothing interesting happened. Like this would not be an interesting day off for a teenage kid.
3: So what you're saying really? is Gene Siskel is Cameron for the first two thirds of the movie.
0: I guess so.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I didn't get that one because I'm I'm looking at this movie going. No, they they packed in a, a pretty full day there. I, I don't really see how you could say nothing happened here.
1: Yeah. It seemed to, Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, what about, um, oh, there's too many. I I don't feel like I should limit you to one, but what's your favorite quote from this movie?
1: (laughs) Let my Cameron
0: go. Nice. There you
3: go. Well, if no one else is going to jump on it, I'll jump on it. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it.
1: There you go. Yeah. That huh. I, that I
2: quote, there I are know. so what many. Is... The, the the whole movie is so quotable. Oh yeah. Um, I I almost everything that the secretary says mm-hmm. really cracks me up. She's that that's the I'm trying to look for the clip You're right like, now. you, with, you know with, with your you know with your bad knee end, you shouldn't throw anybody. Right. <laughs> You know, like, you're just like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I love, I like
0: just watching her sit there and pull pencils out of her hair.
1: That was funny. Yeah, she's just got a couple she's... of great
2: lines. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I, she's I think that, I...
3: whole, that whole clip from mm-hmm. the first phone call to when Sloan How's gets picked up is just solid stuff.
0: Yeah. Let's see if I can pull up here. That one scene in particular. this kid any further than I can throw him.
2: Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. <laughs> it's
0: true. <laughs> well,
2: That's good. chance to like follow. It's Bueller
0: true. Is. He gives good Uh yeah. <laughs> bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this
3: point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls.
0: He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body.
2: Well, makes you look like an ass, is what he does, Ed.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Grace. I think
2: you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The Sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, waste oids, dickheads. They all adore it. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: it, right there. That is That's the I best
2: one. Catch him
3: this
0: time. <laughs> Yeah, I,
2: I, that's that's. I
3: forgot about the dweebies and the dickheads. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and that uh, the, the, she's got another line too, uh, where he's like, and he's got, and he's got Sloane Peterson involved. And she's and her grandmother too. And yeah, <laughs> her grandmother too. I oh know. <laughs> right. Like, oh, every, uh, everything out of she, everything out of her mouth is just hilarious. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. and I love and I love
0: that when. His sister Jeannie, when his sister Jeannie walks into the office and she's looking for the principal to complain about her brother ditching school, the first thing that uh, is it, Grace, the secretary? Grace, the first Mm -hmm. thing she says is, Oh, hello, who's bothering you today? Yeah. (laughs) So clearly the sister's been there before to complain about stuff, and this is one of those kids that like always goes to the office to complain about something. And that's the first line out of her. Yeah. Who's bothering you today? Yep. And apparently yep. the apparently the he's a righteous dude was not in the script at all. That part was totally ad libbed. Like she had the rest of that that was written down for her. But the, they think he's a righteous dude was was totally ad libbed that. And um, well, that,
2: that was her attempt at trying to show she could do a Chicago accent.
0: Right. That and I think Rooney's uh, Rooney's comment uh, about leaving his cheese in the wind. Yeah. I think John Hughes was just... He said, just say something that doesn't make any sense at all. Because you're you're an adult, but you're not a very... You know, all the adults are supposed to look kind of dumb here. So, just say something that doesn't make any sense. And I think that was his line, was the, you know, leaving my cheese in the wind was supposed to be his that didn't make sense.
3: Right. It's like a screen door on a submarine.
0: What was funny about his character, because he played the Emperor in Amadeus, um, and... John Hughes said, oh, well, I I got him for this part because I kind of figured that if you took, like, I loved him in Amadeus, and I figured if you took that character of the emperor from Amadeus and put him in a modern setting, he would be a high school dean of students. (laughs) And this is exactly how he would act. Okay, I can see that. All right. Do we have any other favorite quotes?
1: Ask for a car got a computer
0: which again i mean all the stuff in his room he could probably sell that and get a car if he really wanted one
2: yeah, yeah I, I think all the stuff that he says in the beginning when he's by himself anytime that he talks directly to the camera it's that's just some really some really good stuff like plays the clarinet like never had a single lesson yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, the addressing the camera was good. The going through the ways to get out of school where they, like, lift it on the, uh, on the screen, mm-hmm. you know. But you don't want to do the temperature, do I? Because you could end up at the doctor's, doctor's office, office, you know. Mm-hmm. And Yeah.
0: Which reminded me of Zombieland.
1: Hmm.
0: Have you seen Zombieland at the very beginning? He's putting up the rules for, like, here's how you get away from the zombies. Here's what you don't do. Here's what you do.
1: Okay. I have not. That, you haven't seen it? I have not
0: seen it. No, oh, you need to see Zombieland. Okay. Okay. We'll, oh, yeah. We'll put that on your list.
3: All our right. What's-her-names in it with uh, Woody Harrelson? And... mm mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff.
0: Okay. I, I have a copy of it. I'll loan it to you. Awesome. It's going on the list as we speak. Okay. I'll bring it to you sometime. When Maybe when we go see Suicide Squad, I'll bring it to you.
1: All right. Sounds good. There you
0: go. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this time around. Um, We have got... And I I sent you guys out the list of some movies we're thinking of for 1987, for next year.
2: That was was a long list.
0: There's a long list of stuff in there. But there are, as I was looking through the beginning of that list, I was like, oh, Princess Bride? Yes. Mm. Thank you. Forget the rest of the year. We'll just do that.
3: Marriage is what brings us together. I love that. Anybody want a peanut? (laughs)
2: I, him, I had to give a speech at, uh, at my uh, my best friend's wedding last summer. Um, and I almost started it out with quoting. Oh, you should. Uh, from, have. If, I, I was so close just to starting. You know, it's slowly, yeah. quietly walking up to the microphone and just, Now it. Now it. what brings us to Gabo today. Wow. <laughs> that Wop would have been awesome. Two love. That's we within a dween. <laughs> Oh, God. What I was chickened the, out and took the speech in an entirely different direction.
0: What was the... Uh, Jeff, there was probably a... Probably for the best. There was a time where you were with your class in the library, and I was setting up some iPads for something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I <laughs> was like, hey, so how, how are things going? Did you... <laughs> oh, it was brilliant.
0: You're like, what? you're like, so, uh, they going okay? Everything going all right? And I started in on the speech that was the... After he asked him, are you, you going to come down into the pit? And I mm-hmm. go, Jeff... You know how much I love watching work. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilder to frame for it. I'm swamped. And there's two girls sitting at computers just not too far away from where we were, and one of them just starts laughing. And the other one's like, what? What's going Why are you laughing? It's That's like, so funny. That's from a movie. It's, awesome. <laughs> it's like, Jeff, just, just give that kid an A right now.
2: I think I did. Okay, I think good. that kid got an A.
0: There you go. All right. Well, our next... Let's see what are we doing next time? Uh, next time we've got we've got five Wednesdays this time around, so we've got several movies. Uh, next time we are doing the college classic Back to School, um, and we're going to make sure that it gets plenty of respect. But uh, we're going to be doing Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield, and then coming up the rest of the month we've got Wildcats, One Crazy Summer, and River's Edge. So take a look for those. I, as far as I know, I don't think any of these are on Netflix right now. All right. We can go look and, and update the website if they are, but um, I don't think any of these are on Netflix, but if you want to go take a look at these movies before we are covering them, uh, we've got Back to School next week, then Wildcats the next Wednesday, then One Crazy Summer, then River's Edge, and I believe sometime in the next, probably in the next week or so, uh, maybe not on a Wednesday, but maybe this weekend, um, I am going to do one of the first episodes of uh, 1986 in comics, and I'm going to be covering the Man of Steel miniseries that came out in 1986. There's, As we've kind of said before, this was kind of a really big year for comics, and a lot of stuff came out in 86 that's influenced some of the things you're seeing now. So if you watched any of the DC superhero movies or any of this stuff, there were most likely comic books that came out in 86 that influenced this, like the the take on Batman now you get from Dark Knight Returns. Um, Some of the stuff... Yeah, Not so much recent Superman stuff, but some Superman stuff started in 86, and then you had like Watchmen and some of the other really big comic books that came out then. So probably sometime in the next week or so, um, I'll put out an episode on the Man of Steel miniseries that kind of rebooted Superman for the modern age. Um, so when they kind of pushed aside all the stuff at the end of the 70s and early 80s, they came out with Superman's new origin story and backstory and and kind of explaining his powers and all that. So I'll probably do that one sometime in the next week or so. So we'll get that one out there. Otherwise, we got those other movies coming up uh, pretty soon. So um, how can you get in touch with us? You can, you could write us a letter, but you don't have our address. Um, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get in touch with you guys right now.
3: You're trying to right now. He's trying to reach out and touch someone.
1: Mm -hmm. Reach through your computer. There you go. If You it's can do like that
3: lawnmower man up in
0: here. I was gonna there. Thank you for the reference. No problem, you beat me to it, but
3: hey, first time for everything. All right.
0: So, you can reach us at 30podcast.com. Uh, you can reach us 30podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at 30podcast. We're on Facebook, slash 30podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcast, iTunes. 30 podcast.com. You can just play it straight from there. We do have an Instagram account as well. Um, and I'll, you know, as soon as I can sneak like weird pictures of Pat up there, I will put that up there. Um, otherwise, you know, pictures of Pat sleeping, um, you know, normal stuff. I've got some. Oh, you got some of those? Yeah. Okay. Send them to me and I'll put them up. Well, you're on Instagram too somewhere, but you can send them to me if you want. I'll put them up through the official podcast account.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I think we've weirded people out enough.
1: The weirding is done. Okay. All right.
0: We can probably
3: go
1: now. Good Dune reference.
0: What's that?
3: Excellent Dune reference.
0: Oh, the weirding is done? The
3: weirding. The weirding yeah. is done.
0: All right. Well, until next time, I do, I'm trying to think if Back to School has any crashed cars in it.
3: I don't think so, but it does have a double, triple Lindy, if I remember I
0: correctly. Ripple Lindy. Mm-hmm. Okay, but no crash cars, so Pat, you're probably okay.
1: I'm okay with crash cars. It's just this scene, I just thought it was destructive with no reason. It was, it was abuse of the car. Yeah. You're not into automobile abuse. Not really. Okay. Now, I mean, you know, but I, I bet you, like, you know, they show that really crazy scene when they were walking around the Art Institute, you know, if he went back and, like, took a knife to all his dad's, you know, paintings or something like that, I'd probably be like, yeah, guy got, kind of upset. Maybe he should go talk things out with his dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's well, just right, kind of the same level for me.
0: Because you know? paintings are art and and fantasy and, and symbolism. And you hate those things.
1: I, uh, uh <laughs> yeah. I do. I hate symbolism. Fantasy, I you, do hate those you things. You hate all forms of art? I, I hate everything. Everything yeah. I hate. Pat hates
0: everything. So that's the one thing we're going to take away from this episode is, Pat hates everything.
1: <laughs> that's right, man. Pat hates Maybe your I'll... imagination. Maybe I need a day off. You should take a day off. There you go.
0: I don't have a sports car we can take with us, but I know
1: we. I'll ride get... on the
0: back of your motorcycle with you.
1: There we go. There we go.
0: It's going to turn it into a lowrider, but we can still do it.
3: You should get a sidecar for John.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, it actually, good. it's, it's going to need See to be more like a side.
3: On Amazon commercial.
0: It's going to need to be more sidecar. like a side trailer.
3: that will work. <laughs> oh.
0: Man, it's cold in here, I'll tell you. <laughs> it gets that way in the Pat Cave. All right. Well, I think we will see you all next time for Back to School. Uh, I'll, until then. I'll
2: see you guys in two weeks. Oh, you're going to be oh, back I'll... in two weeks? I'm not going to be around next week. Oh. The, uh, the wife and I will be off celebrating our first anniversary. Oh, oh. Ooh. Congratulations. happy anniversary. Yay.
1: Good for you guys, man. That's awesome. Thank you.
2: Yeah, we're going to be taking a little trip. So I'll be back in two weeks on the 15th nice. for our recording, and then uh, the week after that, the 22nd, I would be going to a screening of Jurassic Park. Oh, oh.
0: you're doing that dollar one?
2: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like right down the street from my house.
0: Yeah. I yeah, can't say no to that. I know, that's it was where I saw Raiders, and I saw that they were doing Jurassic
2: Park, I'm like, Hey, you know what, if, if we want to uh, move around the recording, the recording schedule a little bit, all right, we I'll can make about, it make it a group
1: trip.
0: All right, I'll think about it. But I do have to, Pat. You and I need to get together, and I will uh, watch you sleep while we go see uh, Suicide Squad.
1: That sounds good. Okay, that sounds
0: good. All right, I'll bring my camera. Pat,
2: you and I need to get together to get
1: some pita in. We do need to get some pita in.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is I all love good stuff. This up. is just this is just turning into the "We Make Everybody Jealous" podcast with.
1: Yeah, all of our plans. We're gonna go see this movie. Lunch. We're gonna to go to PNN. Hey, this is all the stuff we're gonna do. That's how. The, that's what the thirty-something podcast does when we get to school. We go see movies. Right. Right. We go see
0: movies. You go to PDN. this is our podcast day off.
1: That's exactly it. There you go. All
0: right. Well, dankeschön everybody, for joining us, and uh, we yeah, will man. see you next week. No, I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Right. I spoke yeah. German for the like three guys that we have in Germany. that are listening. Yeah. Dankeschön. All right. We will see you all next time. Have a good one.
1: I know. Peace.